following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. In verse 20, 1 Peter chapter 2, and beginning in verse 20. 1 Peter 2, beginning in verse 20. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also hath suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. And when he suffered, he threatened not but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For you were a sheep going astray, but are now returned to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. My main text is verse 23, when the Bible says, Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again, When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. I'd like to preach on this subject this morning, him that judgeth righteously, him that judgeth righteously. Let's pray. And Father in heaven, Lord, as we consider this subject this morning, Father, thank you that you are a righteous judge. And Lord, it's difficult to imagine the whole idea that one day if people are not saved, they will be judged for sin and condemned for it. And Lord, I pray God you'd have mercy on those in this room today who are not saved, a father who have not yet dealt with the issue of their sin, have not yet let uh, accepted Christ sacrifice for their sins, the judgment of God upon your son for them. I pray God that today would be the day of salvation for them. And Lord, thank you that there was mercy and truth and grace available for all as it still is so, even for us who are saved. Father, may we see again the goodness and love and mercy of God, even in the judgment of God. And yet, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to go out and tell folks that that the Lord loves them, wants to save them from the judgment to come. God, thank you that you're righteous in your judgment always fair, always right. Have your way in every heart, I pray this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Him that judgeth righteously. Now here in our text we see the Apostle Peter giving instruction to the Christians concerning their sufferings for Christ as Christians. You know, the Bible teaches that he that hateth me will hate you, and will be the way they treated Christ is the way they will treat us sometimes as Christians. That is suffering for well-doing as opposed to evil-doing, even as he speaks of Christ's example, because Christ is a great example. He says in, if you will, in uh, verse uh, 21, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. And when Christ was unjustly condemned, when he was abused and mistreated, by the world, and sometimes it is so with Christians. And sometimes, let me say this, this unsaved world can never uh, be uh, expected to judge properly and rightly. And that's not to say that there isn't at times just judgment going on. 
But in the larger context, folks, more the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the less just judgment we're going to find in this world. I thank God that recently the Supreme Court ruled against uh, the shot mandate. I'm thankful for that. They have before them many other things they're going to have to pass judgment on. They don't make law but they judge according to the law and they look at laws to see whether or not they're tr- that they're right and honest and according uh, to the Constitution. And so it is that they're going to even be taking up the issue of abortion and we need to be in prayer about that. Folks, you know, it's a sad thing. And let me say this, it's a sad thing whenever there is an abortion. There is a sad, it's murder. There's a sad thing when there's ever, now listen, when there's ever a murder, But I thank God that God is a God that judges righteously and that there's mercy with God. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but as we talk about this judgment, thank be to God that God uh, judged sin in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you look with me to John 18, John 18 and verse 38, John 18 and verse 38 John 18 and verse 38, Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And we had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. You know, folks, uh, here uh, Pilate was brought, uh, Jesus was brought before Pilate, the Roman governor, to be judged because of some wrongdoing. And even as the, 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 uh, the judge, uh, the governor of, uh, of Judea, he, he stood before him in judgment. He looked at him and he said, he examined him. He said, I find in him no fault at all. And yet Jesus Christ, folks, went to the cross of Calvary, not because of his wrongdoing, but because of our wrongdoing, because of our sin. And there's not a just man upon earth that doeth good, and sinneth not, as we learned in Sunday school in John 1 and 29, and John 1 and 29. <clears throat> Bible says in John 1 and 29, the next day uh, John seeth Jesus coming unto him, This is John Baptist seeing Jesus coming to be baptized of him. And saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He was speaking about Jesus Christ being the sacrifice for our sin. And folks, thanks be to God that God judged his sin, in his, our sin and his son on the cross of Calvary because without that we would have no hope. God judges righteously. And what it seems like in one sense, an unjust judgment of Christ, someone had to pay the price for our sin. And folks, you, you reject Christ, you go around Christ, you're going to find yourself one day being judged by God for your own sin in Hebrews 9 and 22. Hebrews 9 and 22. <clears throat> Hebrews 9 and 22. here the bible says and almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without the shedding of blood there is no remission folks here christ went to the cross of calvary shed his precious blood for your sins and for mine god judged our sin in his son in first peter 3 and 17 first peter 3 and 17 First Peter 3 and 17, For it is better if the will of God be so, that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. 
Now speaking of Christ, again as the example, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary and bore the, the punishment and the, and the condemnation and the judgment of God upon himself for you and for me. And we're equally sinners before a holy God in line for judgment, but for God judging sin in his Son in Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. <clears throat> the Bible says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? You know, folks, every transgression, every sin, every violation of the law has to be paid for. There is to be a just recompense, a reward for sin and wrongdoing. Folks, that's justice. And it's necessary for life and eternity that justice be done. We got the idea of justice from God who judges righteously. And be sure that when the world does not judge rightly, God always will judge rightly. Now looking back to our text in 1 Peter 2 and 23. 1 Peter 2 and 23. Here again, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, because he had really, folks, committed himself to the will of the Father, which was to go to the cross of Calvary because he loved sinners. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. God loved us, sent his Son to the cross of Calvary to die and judge our sin in his Son. And as he stood there in judgment before the world, an unjust judgment before the, the governmental world and the religious world, he did so according to the will of God, and he committed the judgment, even his judgment, to a righteous judge. And as we consider the fact in this phrase that him that judgeth righteously, he does so for three reasons. First of all, because God is and will be the judge of all the earth. There's no escaping this truth. No matter what the world may want to imagine for a moment and different moments, you know, there are people that treat God as if he's a big, fat, blind Santa Claus who's going to turn a blind eye to every wrongdoing on the face of the earth. You know, there are times when I watch court cases and I see it, what it looks like. It sees, I see a travesty of justice. I see that people get away with wrongdoing. And you wonder, well, it, it, will anyone ever catch up with these people? God will. They may escape justice and judgment in this life, but they will never escape it in the life to come because God is... And we'll be the judge of all the earth in Genesis 18. Genesis 18, God's plain concerning these matters. You know, God is a loving God and a merciful God, but God cannot turn a blind eye 
to the matter of sin. That's why he sent his son, because God loves you. You know, sometimes people say, well, I don't know if God loves, God loves me. John 3.16 is a, is a message of the gospel in and itself. He says, for God so loved you. Amen. You know what, folks? <clears throat> the love of man is nothing like the love of God. We're willing at times to die for a friend. Christ died for us when we weren't his friends to make us his friends. Amen. I thank God for the loving God that judged sin in his son, but God will judge sin. In Genesis 18, if you will, Genesis 18 and verse uh, 23, and Abraham drew near and said, and he had already told Abraham he was going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah for sin. What sin? The sin of homosexuality. Lesbianism was rampant here, was destroying those people with disease and what have you. It says, Will thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be some righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy the righteous and not or destroy and spare not the place for the fifty righteous therein? That be far from me to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee shall not the judge of all the earth do right, and he will. And Abraham is not complaining to God. He is going before God, interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah because his, his nephew Lot was living in sin. And he knew that, that uh, he was a saved man, but he didn't want him to go through the judgment of God upon these two wicked uh, uh, cities and what have you, though he lived in this mess. He wanted him to be delivered from it. And he went to God and he, he got before the Lord and he said, you're the righteous God. He said, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And surely he will. And Abraham knew that. Abraham believed that. So he, he, listen, he went to God over that kind of thing, knowing the character of God. Look at me at uh, Psalm 50 and verse 6. Psalm 50 and verse 6. <clears throat> Sometimes it's hard to find judges who will do right concerning judgment, courts and what have you. But sure of this, the judge, God, the judge of all the earth, will do right at all times. In Psalm 50 and verse 6, the Bible says, The heavens shall declare his righteousness, or God's righteousness, for God is judge himself. And one day all men who have rejected Jesus Christ will stand before God themselves, and God himself will judge you. Now understand this, God doesn't want to have to judge you. Hence, he, he judged Christ, our sin in Christ. Psalm 75 and 7. Psalm 75 and verse 7. Here the Bible says, But God, we'll start in verse 6, For promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another, because God is is a righteous judge. God sees things and sees people as they are in 2 Timothy 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. <clears throat> and let's begin in verse 6. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And let's look at verse 6. <clears throat> I'm in Hebrews. It would help if I was in the right book. Amen. All right, 2 Timothy 4, looking at verse 6. For now I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departures at hand. He's speaking of his death. 
and is going to go to his death by the head, headsman's axe. He said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. We find here uh, the Apostle Paul, who at one time had been a persecutor of Christians, now saying of God that God is the righteous judge, meaning that God judges in the right manner at the right time, always right. Never, you know, never like us. You know, there are times in our lives as human beings when we judge someone unjustly. We make a judgment of someone and we say, you know what, there's something wrong with them. We make a judgment of them and you know what, we're wrong. And we're wrong because, you know, folks, we're not God. We don't judge righteously at all the time. John 5 and 22. John 5 and 22. <clears throat> Bible says, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which has sent them. <clears throat> Let me say this, you know. Christ in his first coming came to be a sacrifice and a Savior, a substitute, one who would stand in our place. Suffer in our place. When he comes again the second time, he will come, but he will come in judgment. He will come, but he will come in judgment. If you will, look with me to Revelation 20 and verse 11. Revelation 20 and 11. <clears throat> you know, the Bible says that no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten of the Father... He hath declared him, if you will, in John 20 and 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat upon it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. Here, here God in the person of his son, whom God the Father hath committed all judgment unto, will sit upon the throne in judgment and rightly so, because he went to the cross of Calvary and bore the judgment of all men and all their sin upon himself. And it is right that he judges in the end. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And you know, folks, I don't care what your station is in life. You may be the lowest of the low or you may be the highest of the high. But you reject Jesus Christ, and I don't care what your station is, you're going to face the judgment of Almighty God in the person of Jesus Christ. They stand before God, and the books were open. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which are in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which are in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever is not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. You know, folks, God is going to be the judge of all the earth. And you know what? Recently, we've heard, we've heard a lot of talk about uh, this fellow that was running. His, he was, he was uh, if you will, trafficking in, in young girls and others. And uh, he died in prison. I forget his name. Epstein, was it Epstein or whatever his name? But the girl that was working with him prostituting children and what have you, has now been convicted of the crime. She's sent to jail, I don't know how many, how many years, quite a few, and that was just judgment. Now they're catching up with, now listen, they're catching up with some of the high 
people who were a part of the crime. They used the children that that were prostituted by these men and women in this institution. And I'm going to tell you something. Some of these are not escaping the judgment of man, and yet some will. There's a long list of those that perpetrated a crime against children. And they ought to be judged for it. Some may escape that judgment, but they'll not escape this judgment. I believe it was Queen Elizabeth. It was Elizabeth, or, or, or it was one of her sons. Is it Elizabeth? I'm not sure. But <laughs> the Queen of England at this point had a son who was a part of that whole problem, perpetrated a crime against children. And I'm going to tell you something. The Queen said this week, she said, we're stripping him of all of his titles. He is no longer a part of the royal family. He is not exempt from judgment. And man, that's right. That's how it ought to be. And it will be when men stand before God. Because God is a righteous judge. He is the judge of all the earth. Secondly, God will judge according to what's true. You know, these days it's... (laughs) I am so disgusted with the lack of truth that's being disseminated by the news media and all kinds of outlets, and including what's going on sometimes in our courts God is, will judge according to truth. Look at me to Deuteronomy uh, 32 and verse 1. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 1. <clears throat> Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak. God is speaking through Moses. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, as the showers upon the grass, because I will publish the name of the Lord. Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is he. And he is just and right in his judgment because his judgment is according to what is true. The Bible says in Titus 1 and 2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie. You know, where, you know what? That cannot be said of us. That cannot be said even of me as a pastor. You mean you're standing in the pulpit telling us lies? No. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm not above having told lies. Am I a judge like God can be? No, because God is always a proper judge of what is right because he judges according to the truth that he... And he, folks, he always knows what's true. You know, sometimes we listen to things and we wonder, well, is that true or is that not true? God knows things for what they are. He never lies. He knows what's true. Matthew 7 and 1. Matthew 7 and 1. <clears throat> Often when we talk about judgment, and you know the world today does not want to talk about judgment. As a matter of fact, if you bring up something, you begin to criticize someone, you begin to find fault with someone in a public way. Now, the the world at large does a lot of it, but they don't like it when you do it, or if someone says it. The Bible says, and Jesus said here, and one of the the first things you'll hear people say is what? Judge not. I think the world is afraid of judgment. And so they say, judge, who are you to judge anybody? 
Well, you know what I am? A sinner. I'm a sinner. And you know what, folks? I cannot always judge rightly. But God, it cannot be said that of God. He says, judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not that the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. Now he's not saying not to judge. Contrary to what the world thinks. He's saying that when you judge, don't be a hypocrite in your judgment. Don't be a hypocrite. You know, folks, this world has to at times judge what is right and wrong. We have to. If we don't, do you know what we're going to have? Anarchy. This world will go crazy if we don't have law and justice and judgment. And justice and judgment is to protect, is to protect everyone that lives in this society. Amen. It's not that we're not to judge. We need to be careful about hypocritical judgment. Because, folks, God established in Israel the idea that they had judges who would judge the people. Judge between right and between what was wrong. God had established what was right and what was wrong. And when someone did wrong, someone had to hold them to account for wrongdoing. Now, sometimes we fail in that. John 9, excuse me, John 7. And let's look at verse 20. The people answered and said, Thou hast a devil, who goeth about to kill thee? <clears throat> Jesus answered and said unto them, Now, understand, who are they dealing with? God in the flesh? He knows exactly what's going on in every thought of their heart. But he says here, Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work, and ye all marvel. Moses therefore gave you, a circum- gave you circumcision, because it is of Moses, but uh, it, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. And ye on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, are ye angry at me, because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. You know, they were judging God in the flesh for doing the right thing, for helping to heal a man on the Sabbath day. And basically, he's calling them hypocrites. He says, don't judge according to the appearance. And let me say this, that's why it's important that we abstain from all appearance of evil because the world at large will judge us according to the appearance of evil. Though God will judge us always and rightly because he judges according to what's true. Righteous judgment, folks, is a search for truth, is is a true search for the truth in judgment. You know, why do we go to court? Why do we have trials? To find out the truth. And then, listen, punish those who are guilty of violating the law. You know, where did we get the idea 
that were innocent till proven guilty in America from God. We got it from God. You know, God isn't just going to arbitrarily judge anyone. At the final judgment of God, he will prove to ourselves, to all men who stand before God in the final judgment, that they are guilty. In order for us to be saved, you know what? God has to prove to us that we are guilty so that he can save us by his grace. There has to be judgment going on. God is a righteous judge. And you know what, folks? I think it is so great that we live in a country where we're considered innocent until proven guilty. Now, there are miscarriages in justice because of the unjust judgment of man. Okay, but with God, it will never be so. Someone, much, someone said, much of the judgment of others is not being done in a court of law, in a search for truth, but in the court of public opinion, which often has no basis in truth. You remember some of the, uh, some of the Supreme Court justices that had gone before uh, Congress and they were having hearings and what have you? What a travesty of injustice and unjust treatment when people brought forward lies and opinions about people and they were judged to be the truth when there was no truth at all in these charges. But see, God isn't going to judge like that. God judges according to what he knows to be true. In 1 Samuel 16 and 7, 1 Samuel 16 and 7, Sometimes we look at the world at large and we think, man, where is there hope in judgment? Well, to know this, there is hope only because we can commit our judgment unto him that judgeth righteously. In 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7, the Bible says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. You know, I have been deceived by people over the years because of what things look like. Because of what things look like. Because of what things appeared to be. You know, you can fool me, but you'll never fool God. Never. Because God sees us as we really are. He isn't looking at the appearance. You know, sometimes people go to church, they're all dressed up, and they're I'm, I'm glad for that. But <clears throat> that doesn't prove anything. How you're dressed does not prove anything about what you really are. Not really. Sometimes people can put on a face and it looks good on the surface, but if you knew them for what they really are, you'd be appalled. God is never surprised. God is never surprised at what he knows about us. I've been surprised by people, shocked by people. And you know, sometimes ashamed that I didn't catch on to what they were doing. They fooled me. But they'll never fool God. God judges according to truth. Jeremiah 17, Jeremiah 17 and 9 People say, well, if you were spiritual, you'd know. 
Really? <laughs> Prove it. <laughs> Prove it. Yourself. Prove it. You can't. Because you're just as human as I am. Jeremiah 17 and 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know? Now this is God saying the heart of man, telling us what the heart of man is really like through a prophet. Why? Why did he say that? He says in verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. You know what? Only God can see the heart. Only God can say of man's heart, all of our hearts. The Bible says he has fashioned all of our hearts alike. And our hearts not by virtue of anything God's done to us, but our hearts, he says of all of our hearts, that what does he say, verse 9? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. You know what? You and I don't even be, could not begin to know the depths of the wickedness and deceitfulness of our own hearts. Sometimes as we grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord, the the longer we've been saved, the more we begin to see about ourselves. And you know what? There have been times I've been surprised at me. Have you ever been surprised at you? And something that's going on in your heart has gone on in your heart. And you'd be, you know what? You'd be ashamed for anyone else to know about it. But it's there. And God's revealed it to you. Now, you know, when God reveals that kind of thing to a Christian, it's so that we'll get right. We'll seek him for grace to do right. But see, folks, God wants everyone to know their heart, to know the need of their heart. In Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13. You know, it's interesting. Paul said in Romans 7, O wretched man that I am. Why, why did he say what he said in Romans 7? Because God had shown him some things that were going on in his own heart. Because, folks, God sees the heart. In Hebrews 4 and verse 12, the Bible says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even and dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know, the Bible's likened unto a mirror. You want to know what's really going on in your heart and your life? Ask God to show you. Show you yourself. Right here. He says in line with that, neither, verse 13, is there any creature that is not made manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open in the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Folks, there's no way for you and I ever to cover up what we are before a holy God. Never. Never. God is, God will judge according to truth because of the God that he is. And Matthew 10 and 26, Matthew 10 and 26. <clears throat> In context with unjust judgment by the religious leaders, he says, fear, not, fear them not, verse 26, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. You know, there are a lot of people covering up a lot of things in the realm of religion. 
And one day God's going to rip off the covering and expose all of the ungodliness that's been going on. Romans 2 and verse 1. Romans 2 and verse 1. And it's interesting, Paul writing here, talking to Jews, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doeth the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against uh, them which do such things. God knows and sees the hypocrite. And it's not, a, it's not an accident that in Matthew chapter 23, repeatedly, Christ dealing with and, and talking to the religious leadership said, ye hypocrites. And those hypocrites were in constant judgment of him and Christianity and what was really true and right. But God knows. And his judgment will be according to what's true. You know, the, it's amazing that that men do strive at times to judge and get at the truth. But on the whole, there is much unjust judgment going on. The closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the greater that problem will be. doesn't mean that we throw out the system. It just means that we pray God that the system work. John 17 His judgment is according to truth. John 17 and 17, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Now let me say this, God will judge us according not only to what he knows to be true, but according to the truth of God's word. He's not going to be judging arbitrarily, he's not going to just come up with new, new plans, new programs, new rules, what have you. He's going to judge according to what he knows to be true. John 12 and 48, John 12 and 48. God knows what's true, and God will judge us according to the truth of his word. In John 12 and 48, Jesus said this, He that rejecteth me, and receiveth not my words, hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. You know, folks, God is... When Jesus, when it says of Jesus that he committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, he is speaking of the fact that God is the judge, and that he will judge according to the truth, the truth of what he knows and the truth of what he said. And no one will escape that judgment. Now, understand this. If you turn to Christ in salvation and you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, understand this, that the fact that God judged your sin in Christ will be placed on your account. Forgiveness, if you will, righteousness. The Bible says he became sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God exchanges something. He says, listen, let me take your sin and let me give you righteousness. And folks, God will never judge you ever again for sin the moment you're saved. The judgment is past. If you will, lastly, not only is God, God is judged, God will judge according to the truth, but lastly, God will judge in mercy. God will judge in mercy. Now, you know, <clears throat> judgment without mercy 
is the hard line of justice. Even when we judge in this nation, in our court system, the judge is supposed to look at every situation, every individual, and judge rightly. You know, some, some when he goes to pass sentence, will be judged more harshly based upon maybe a repeated occurrence of certain kinds of behavior. They may be beyond a point of mercy. But now listen, those who are, who are judged guilty maybe for the first time, or the second time, or the third time, may be given mercy, shown mercy in their judgment. But you know, there's something called the three-time loser rule. There's a point where you can go beyond mercy. But God himself judges in mercy. Look at me at Psalm 86. Psalm 86. <clears throat> Look at verses 3 through 5. Psalm 86, verses 3 through 5. Be merciful unto me, O God. Uh, Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Now, why cry unto God for mercy if he's not a merciful God? David understood something about God that we need to always understand, that God in judgment judges in mercy Rejoice the soul of thy servant, for, I, for unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. What, is, what did David know about God? Well, he knew that he was good, ready to forgive, plenteous in mercy unto all that call upon him. Sometimes we struggle with finding mercy in this, play, in this, this world. Sometimes, you know what, sometimes even among Christian people, we treat each other without mercy. Yeah, we do. We do. It's sad when it happens, but we do. We tell lies about each other. We say things that are not true. We don't care whether it'll hurt anybody. We treat each other without mercy. You know what mercy is? Goodness, kindness, favor, and grace shown to the guilty and undeserving. Who in this room is not guilty before God? Nobody. We're all guilty in the eyes of God before we're saved. And you know what? When God in Christ shows mercy to us, it's not because favor and showing goodness and kindness to people who don't deserve it. They're guilty. Micah 7. Look at verses 18 through 20. Bible says here, who is a God like unto thee? There is no God like unto our God that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. What does it say? He delighteth in mercy. Means he delights to show mercy and goodness and kindness to people who are guilty and undeserving. 
know, that's what makes mercy so sweet. Not because we deserve it, but because we don't deserve it. And yet God shows us mercy by grace through faith in Christ. He will turn again, verse 19. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. Thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. As far as the east is from the west, the Bible says, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us, and they're never to be remembered against us again. You know, sometimes in a home, one of the things you can do is on the one hand say that you've forgiven somebody over something, your husband or wife, and then in the heat of an argument, you bring it back up again. You throw it up again in their face. Now, if they've been truly repentant, we need to forgive. And we, for, when we forgive, it's not that we'll, it's out of sight, out of mind, but we're never to take and rub their nose in it ever again. God doesn't do that to us. God doesn't do that to us. But we do it to each other. Husbands and wives, what have you, do it to each other. <clears throat> God doesn't do that. He delights in mercy. Luke 23. Look at verse 32. And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, they were crucified. There they crucified him, the malefactors, one on the right hand, the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Now, you know what? He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to offer forgiveness. He didn't have to show any goodness to them, except for the fact that he is merciful. He's offering forgiveness. And we know that without repentance, there cannot be forgiveness. But He's offering forgiveness. He's praying for these people. He desires to show mercy. He delights in mercy. He wanted them to be saved. Verse 35, And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, even in the face of that, saying, He saved others. Let himself save himself if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription was also written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, uh, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not, not, dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. The two thieves, one is saying, if you're the Christ, get us off the cross. I mean, I'm, I, I don't deserve this. The other one didn't say that at all. He didn't say that at all. He said, we, we receive the due reward of our deeds. This is just. We deserve this. But look, look what he said when he looked to Christ. Verse 42. <clears throat> and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. 
And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. You know, in verse 41, he said, We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man had done nothing amiss. All he looked at Christ for was for mercy. He didn't say, Jesus, get me off the cross. He looked and he said, God, basically he's saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He said, I, I deserve to be here. But when you go to heaven, remember me. Please remember me. Have mercy on me. And Jesus from the cross said, Today shalt thou be with me in Paris, or be with me in heaven. He realized this man understood that he was Christ, the judge of all the earth, God. And he said, You know what? I'm going to show mercy to you. You've acknowledged your wrong. You want to be right. This man never did any good works. Wasn't baptized, wasn't doing anything religious. He's hanging on a cross as a criminal waiting to die. And God in mercy and love forgave him of his sin and took him to heaven. Now God wants that to do that for every sinner who is guilty and undeserving. And we're all that before we're saved. And even after we're saved, you know what we are? Sinners saved and forgiven by the grace of God. And that only. We'll never stand before God and say, you know what, I got here. We won't get there and say, yeah, yeah, I deserve, open the door, I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. You'll be glad to be there, and God will be glad to have you there. But it's not about you, it's about him and what he did for you and what he wants to do for you if you're not saved. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. And verse 1. And you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. You know what he's saying? Basically, we're all sinners. We, we were driven by our lust, by our passions, by what we wanted, not by what God wanted. Look at verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. You know, folks, but, but for the grace of God, no one, no one would go to heaven. Because all of us are guilty, undeserving sinners. And yet God loved us. And he is rich in mercy. You know what, folks? If everyone were to get saved, God has enough mercy to save everybody. But not everybody will be saved. Because many will spurn the love and mercy of God and say, I don't, I don't need that, and I don't want that. Why? Why don't you want that? Well, you know what? God wants you. Why can't we want him? He loves you. He wants to show you mercy. Why won't you let him? Why won't you let him? 1 Timothy 1.
Look at verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, <clears throat> who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorant and in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might, might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. Now unto, unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. But you know what God, Paul is saying, listen, even I, as sinful in my religion as I was, obtained mercy by faith in Jesus Christ. I, even I. He fought against Christianity. He, if he could have, he would have killed. He stood by while Stephen was stoned to death. And yet God was willing to forgive him, show mercy to him. And you know what? To prove to us, even to us, that God is a merciful God. And that God delights in mercy. James 2 and 12. James 2 and 12. <clears throat> so speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. In the face of judgment, God extends mercy. Let me ask you this question this morning. If you died right now, where would you be? Are you one who has already received mercy by grace through faith in Christ? Or are you still in your sin, headed for the judgment of Almighty God? wondering if God loves you and would show mercy to you. You're guilty. You're as guilty as any other sinner who has ever lived. And we're all sinners. You're guilty. You don't deserve mercy. Yet God wants to show mercy to you. He wants to give mercy to you. Listen, do not, do not reject it. Amen. Do not reject the mercy of God. Otherwise, you'll face God as a righteous judge. And be sure when he judges you, you'll never be able to find fault with it, ever. But he doesn't want to judge you. He wants to show mercy to you. Heads bowed nicely. <laughs>